Jodie, how are we going to start this conversation? I have no idea. Starting a conversation about uh, invisible illnesses is really hard. Hey. See what I did there? Yeah, I do see what you did there, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, talking about invisible illnesses, see my segue. I know all about invisible illnesses because mm-hmm. I have a condition called acute intermittent porphyria. And to look at me, you would think I was perfectly well. Mm-hmm. And inside, my metabolism is basically doing its own thing. Cool. And not what it should be doing. Not so cool. Not so cool. No. So that's why I am doubly interested in invisible illnesses. One, because I was a teacher and I understand Mm -hmm. what it's like for pupils in school with something that you can't see. And Mm. because I have the same problem. And if anyone ever says to me again, well, you look all right, I swear... I you will just be taking them. physical action. Yeah. It's your own time you're wasting. Ramblings from Beyond the Classroom with Marie and Jodie. So this week we're talking to Sophie Ainsworth, a former student of mine who has started the charity RAISE, which stands for Raising Awareness of Invisible Illness in Schools and Education. Sophie was diagnosed with the autoimmune disease lupus when she was just 14. It was her experiences at school which motivated her to form the charity, which worked with schools and other education providers to promote better understanding and support for students with invisible illnesses. Welcome, Sophie. Lovely to meet you. Thank you for having me. Nice to see you. So I'm going to start off with the simple question. What is an invisible illness and how do you know if someone's suffering from one? So there's no real universally agreed medical Mm -hmm. definition for an invisible illness. But generally it's any health condition that's not easily visible to other people. So for me, something like lupus or like Marie just mentioned porphyria. But it can include things like epilepsy, which you mentioned, Mm -hmm. and as well as mental health conditions. There's not really... um, a defining kind of um way can categorize them I suppose other than the fact that you just can't really see that someone might be ill I think for me in school it was even though I was feeling really um unwell and Mm -hmm. most days feeling quite terrible I looked like any of my other healthy peers Mm -hmm. and I think one of the problems that we find is that for teachers that is really difficult because you don't know if someone is suffering Mm. yeah um yeah and I guess in that as well, you don't know whether someone's having a good day or a bad day and kind of, whereas with other illnesses, you can kind of see that a little bit easier. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, with a lot of invisible illnesses, they are also mm. chronic. And so mm. it's something that's long term and can fluctuate day to day, hour mm. to hour. And that's one thing that can be quite difficult to, um, I think, understand. And I think as well with a lot of other more acute illnesses, you yeah. see people improve if someone's got a broken leg you see the cast Mm -hmm. on and then you see it getting better and you see them then when they're just on crutches and then it's all then it's healed um Mm. and I think a lot of the time people struggle if they've not experienced it themselves to kind of grasp the concept of a chronic condition Mm. that is here to stay yeah I think you're right there Sophie I think schools are quite good at dealing with the acute crisis aren't they Mm. um but when it comes to someone who's going to be regularly poorly Mm. that's more difficult which leads me into the next question why is there a need for raise there's a need for raise because it's a much more widespread issue um Mm. than i think a lot of people think in every classroom there will most likely be 
more than one young person with an invisible illness of some sort and each individual will have their own individual set of needs um and I think one thing that maybe makes things a little bit more difficult is how varied so many conditions can be you could have two people's even with the same condition and have very different experiences of it um I think why what we sort of try and do with rays and with encapsulating them all under the umbrella of invisible illnesses is that even if say the symptoms are very different you a lot of the strategies you can put in place and the Mm. ways of communicating or those day-to-day kind of general understanding of supporting a young person um can be similar no matter Mm -hmm. how different the conditions might be and do you find kind of so I know when we talk about like specific learning difficulties we kind of say that if you create an environment that supports that specific learning difficulty you support everyone you know it doesn't Mm. it actually ends up helping everyone would you say it's similar with with invisibility yeah definitely I think a lot of the things that we generally try and promote is just having good levels of trust Mm. with your students it's having good communication it's being just generally quite just understanding and a little bit more gentle I suppose Mm. it's um sometimes giving people the benefit of the doubt if they might be struggling and just I don't know maybe maybe a little bit easy on them um when they need I think that is just a maybe a kinder sort of more you know I've I've potentially been called naive in the past but um Yeah. yeah that general kind of having a nicer way of going about things I think is always going to benefit yeah. any student um and I think as well we've talked a lot about young people's mental health in the last mm-hmm. few years and especially throughout the COVID pandemic um yeah, of so a lot of these um strategies and a lot of these um ways of supporting young people will be beneficial to yeah. the whole classroom mm-hmm. yeah, um yeah, but that being said then I think there's a the added layer when someone has of a course. chronic condition yeah, yeah. that um it needs to be taken into account so what should teachers do when they first find out that one of their students has an invisible illness i think what we advise as sort of our first starting point is mm-hmm. to just ask the question how can i help I think we really try to focus on the idea that every person is an individual case. Everyone will require or want different levels of support. Um, And so with the fact that so many conditions teach will most likely not know anything about, I had never heard of lupus when I got diagnosed with it. So I would Mm -hmm. never expect my teacher to know much about it. Um, So I think the first call is to say, what do you need? How mm. can we help you? Depending on the age of the people, obviously that could be talking to them directly, talking to them with their parents, um, but just making sure that, that that people is at the forefront of that conversation. Um, in our school's pack, which is a resource that we've created um, alongside mm. teachers and pupils and healthcare professionals and charities, we have created a health passport, which is um, a resource that can be used mm. to talk through with the people about their individual needs and break things down into how that might look Mm -hmm. day-to-day in the classroom so that breaks it down on a more practical level I think than a lot of Mm. healthcare plans that might already be being used or recommended Um, and in R1 it's very specific breaking down into categories like 
on a good day I can do mm-hmm. xyz on a bad day I might need some help yeah. doing xyz yeah um as well as giving information about any medications that school might need to be aware of and those practical elements but I think one thing when we were developing that was some of the feedback that we got from the young people was in a lot of cases things like the list of medications that um someone was on wasn't necessarily that relevant to the teacher obviously mm-hmm. it's important that it's, that's there and that's you know documented in case of any sort of emergencies but a lot of people would say taking their medications at home and not that not necessarily being something that impacted their school life um yeah. and the more practical things of mm-hmm. actually some days I might not be able to do PE or I might need to leave the classroom um to go to the toilet at a moment's notice um yeah, yeah, those definitely. kind of more illness specific things that are going to be the things that affect them day to day were the more important messages that they wanted to get across I always found as well when I was a teacher that the handing out of toilet passes was like a one-size-fits-all thing like every kid in a class would have a toilet pass which defeated the point of a toilet pass (laughs) (laughs) definitely um but yeah toilet passes are definitely a thing that we've had lots of problems with and with lots of the young people we speak to it's yeah a bugbear of ours at raise (laughs) that um yeah that's such a big problem Mm. um but again it's those kind of like we were talking about earlier how some things that are supporting a young person with Crohn's Mm. equally someone who doesn't have a health condition that means they have to go to the toilet if you've got to go to the toilet you've got to go to the toilet yeah exactly So as listeners will know, we usually feature listener feedback in the show. Today, though, we're going to take a slightly different tack and we're going to share some experiences from people who've worked with Ray's. This is from a young person aged 15. When I say I need a break, it's hard to be questioned about it and it makes me feel awkward because it's difficult to explain. I feel like I'm not being believed. Is it your experience, Sophie, that sometimes teachers don't believe students with invisible illnesses when they feel unwell? And why do you think that is? Yeah, that's definitely something um, that we've come across quite a lot. Um, I think one thing that I found quite interesting talking to different groups of people is that the older the people get, the better their experiences seem to be. Um, that yeah. is talking generally, people have um, difficulties at all sort of stages of school life. But I think generally it's been the younger, maybe more primary school age children that have had the biggest problems getting believed and mm-hmm. so it's going through to high school as well but then maybe seeing that shift by the time they get into college or university that yeah. suddenly they're seen as a bit more grown up and that they're just trusted mm. a little bit more I think there's been quite a theme we found with teachers not having that level of trust in in mm. young people um I think it's come up quite a lot with things like PE lessons maybe where someone's been said oh I'm really sorry I can't do PE today um at, because of a particular condition um and said oh you just trying to get out across country has been quite yeah, a common yeah. response um and I think that's always been quite frustrating and I think the, realistically if you were trying to get out PE you'd just forget your PE kit wouldn't you you wouldn't come up with something as convoluted as a complex autoimmune disease. No. <laughs> um, and no, that would be really going it, definitely. wouldn't it? Um, but I think it's I, I think it's a natural sort of instinct. I think the nature of an invisible illness, we just 
as part of human nature, are less likely to, I think, just be able to compute what it might be. If you can't see something, mm-hmm. you have less understanding of it. And I think that's just one of the main messages that we're trying to promote is just to raise more awareness of invisible illnesses so that people mm-hmm. know that just because you can't see something doesn't mean someone isn't really suffering with this. Um, yeah. And so having that better general awareness because so often we'll have a conversation and someone will say um that someone won't be believed or they'll say oh they're just making something up or I'm not sure about that um but then we've had a further conversation about how difficult some of these conditions really are to live with day to day and people just don't have a clue and it's stuff that they you know never come across before aren't aware of um and so there's just a bit more of a natural distrust and as soon as we have that conversation about what uh, is going on that's when it's a bit of a light bulb moment I think and people go oh god I feel really bad that I've not noticed that or oh god like I've made a mistake there um and so I think the message that I've always kind of had is that I would rather have you know the wool pulled over my eyes a little bit and have one person get away with whatever they're trying to get away with than mm-hmm. make nine people feel bad or feel like they have to prove themselves yeah. I think the main message that a lot of our young people say is it's just kind of exhausting having to constantly justify that you're real and constantly yeah. prove it um I mm. think one thing that I always found quite strange was say I wasn't feeling very well I would bring up to say that I couldn't make it in and I found this in the workplace as well where my voice isn't affected when I've got extreme fatigue no. or I'm feeling really sick. So, But on the phone, I've been like doing this, oh, I probably made, need to make my voice sound a little bit weaker. Yeah, bit but weak. I've not got a cough. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, and so I think just being able to say, look, I know my body, I know I'm ill, and have someone understand that that's the truth, you know, exaggerating um is really Mm. important and I think building a level of trust between teachers and pupils and parents is a long time thing that you need to be building up over time um and just knowing then for both of you that everyone's on the same page that the teacher knows how they can support the young people and that the young person knows that they can go to that teacher and feel confident that they're going to be believed and they don't need to prove anything I think being ill when Mm. you're young is hard enough and they just don't need that added pressure of constantly having to prove yourself but also in the same vein it's kind of a constant reminder having to constantly explain just how ill you are um Mm. isn't a nice thing to have to do your own time you're wasting so why not stick the kettle on put your feet up and have a cuppa ah bliss you mentioned earlier about kind of as they get older people start to believe them a little bit more but do you think as well kind of the individual gets better at kind of explaining and their own coping mechanisms and kind of you know sort of managing other people with it like I, I I'm very fortunate that I don't have any hidden illnesses but I am dyslexic and I know that as I have got older and further away from that diagnosis I'm better at explaining what I need for people to support me so it's the best compass mm-hmm. I can get 
and I have a, a rower who has some additional needs who's 17 and they just really to the point about explaining mm. stuff mm. and I just wouldn't expect that from a 13 year old because you know yeah definitely yeah. and I think it's the age of someone but also I think mm. generally just time I think yeah if you've been diagnosed yeah. with something since you were a baby then yeah. you've kind of had that long time whereas yeah. if you may be getting diagnosed with something at 14 mm-hmm. 15 years old yeah it's more the length of time I think maybe you've had a condition generally yeah. um and yeah learning how to navigate that because one thing that we also talk about in our awareness guide um just support mm. pack for schools to use is about what to do when someone's getting newly diagnosed and have it yeah. like and ha- what mm. a difficult sort of period of time that can be for so many people mm. a lot of invisible illnesses take a long time to diagnose a lot of them might be rare mm. and yeah. then there's also lots of people who are in the position of not having a diagnosis at all but being very unwell mm-hmm. you can have mm-hmm. people who are going yeah. through years and years of medical investigations or just confusion mm. um without getting the answer and I think that's sometimes a difficult position to be in because there's no I don't know nice neatly packaged diagnosis to get your head around you've just got Mm. the illness side of it and you are feeling terrible yeah you are just a big mental toll as well and not getting any answers and I think that can sometimes make it hard in providing support because a lot of things require sort of a more of a tick box or what have you got I don't know Mm. Um, yeah. And so again, that's yeah. where our sort of practical strategies and things like that come into play. Where it's not about having to put a name on something; it's just saying, "Look, I know you're struggling. How can we help? What will make it better?" Um, and so, yeah, that's been quite a, I think, complicated area as well that we've seen quite a bit yeah. of. I I think the um, hammering of attendance is a major issue. Mm. Um, at, at my kids' school, they say you know 95% if you got that on a test that's really good but for attendance that's not good mm. enough um and mm. what i find yeah. is my daughter who who does have a recurring issue um is really really guilty about having time off and she's panicking mm. and that's making her feel worse and um i know you had a bit of a thing with an attendance officer didn't you Sophie at one point yeah I did yeah my attendance um I got a um letter about my attendance once that I it was a generic letter that went to all the students who had dropped below a certain percentage only mine they'd acknowledged that there might be other reasons why that was I'd been in and out of hospital quite a lot at that time um and they little additional sentence at the bottom said we understand that Sophie has had some health issues but we expect that these are resolved by now Brilliant. and I just okay. I think by that point I was very frustrated I just sort of <laughs> laughed but I was just amazed that my school had found a cure for my incurable yeah. condition that all my doctors have missed <laughs> oh. I mean I know teachers are legends but still. <laughs> yeah they really they really pulled it that out the back of that that, it? <laughs> um and so yeah so things like that I think I think it's just genuinely yeah. saying sometimes. Yeah. I think mm. that it was there was obviously some sort of thought process that they wanted to acknowledge yeah. that there was a reason yeah. I'd been off. They didn't <laughs> I was like, you, quite you were so close. It through. You were yeah. so close. <laughs> <laughs> um definitely. But attendance is something that we hear time and time again. Um mm. 
of people just being so frustrated by it and hearing it from mm. both sides as well it's hearing it from young people it's hearing it from parents it's hearing it from teachers mm. as well because so much of the time it isn't yeah, their fault you yeah. know it's not teachers demanding that people are in it's the additional pressures that are being forced upon them um mm. one thing that we're very keen to get rid of forever is attendance mm. awards we've had so many cases yeah. come to us where people have been denied end of school trips or any sort mm. of treats that the rest of the class are getting because they've been mm. in hospital um yeah. I was talking to a young person who was a cancer patient who mm. because of uh, an appointment didn't get to join oh, in the no end of the year treat or yeah. we've had cases where the entire class have missed out on things say everyone gets an ice cream on the last day of term where but that only happens if the whole class gets 100% oh, no. attendance and um someone who's you know not been well who's been off school for a few no. days is the reason that the class didn't get mm. the ice creams um and it's just That's so wrong. So wrong. <laughs> um, but it just seems to be happening so often, and it's just so frustrating yeah. to hear. Um, and I think we hoped that things like the COVID pandemic would mm. improve that. I think we hoped that, especially with attitudes to people going into school or work with mm-hmm. a bad cold or a mm. bug or something like that, we we shouldn't be encouraging people to go no. in with that. We shouldn't be encouraging. No children who are ill to be going into school whether that's an acute illness or a chronic one um and it's yeah not good for people's long-term health it's not good for people's education um and yeah it's quite a frustrating issue got another comment here this is from a parent um the teacher in her class encouraged me to keep in touch and tell him how she was doing his attitude was that he needed to know how she was so that he could be prepared in class um, how can teachers adapt teaching styles to help students with invisible illnesses? I think that that is a generally good technique to mm. um, be in sort of good communication mm. with someone about um, how things are going, how things are. And I think that can be done in a relatively informal way, I think, without being too mm. intrusive as well. And I think the key part of this is always to be led by how much um, the people wants. Um mm. But I do think it's very useful and we do encourage um, people to talk to the teachers and keep them informed on how things are going, purely on a sort of yeah. caring capacity as well, just so it just so they're aware of how you might be feeling. Um, I think in terms of teaching styles, um, it's using that awareness of how someone might be doing to support yourself in the classroom. I think I remember an example of a young person who had been in hospital and um, missed a particular topic. And they said the following week, they just got out of hospital, they were still feeling a bit rubbish. And um, the teacher picked on them for um, a question on the topic that they'd missed. Um, And they didn't, they said, I'm sorry, I don't Mm. know. Um, And the teacher had potentially forgotten that they weren't in the class or didn't acknowledge it. And, then went oh you you have to know you should know this by now this has been um this is we've been talking about this all week we've this is really important stuff I can't believe you don't know and had a bit of a um dig I suppose about the fact that they didn't know and it made them feel really awful um and so I think having those kind of being aware Mm. of you know if Mm. someone's been off maybe they're not the person to choose in the same way if someone's got 
a serious anxiety disorder maybe they're not maybe the person to pick on to do the reading I think just being aware of that and having sensitivity to those kind of um things in the classroom is really important Mm. um I know when I was in school I had teachers that we were just very aware that quite often I was having back, mm. really bad fatigue and could see that I was maybe not quite alert yeah. or focused as I usually mm. would be. Um, and I remember a couple of times them coming over to me saying, don't worry, Steph can tell you look a bit tired today. Um, we'll, like, don't worry about it. Like, And just mm. have it, just yeah. a little comment that wasn't, no one else heard. It was very quiet, very unassuming. Um, just to kind of acknowledge like, don't worry yeah. like, and it doesn't even need to be acknowledged necessarily it's just maybe scoping the classroom and seeing that yeah. such body who you know has such a condition mm-hmm. maybe isn't on top form today and we'll let that slide we're yeah. not gonna push that person too yeah. much today um yeah. so it's those kind of subtle things that I think are what make the mm. big differences I think it's mm. all it's those small everyday incidental things that can really be a big impact Mm. for someone with an Mm. invisible illness yeah yeah and I think you could link that to the wider culture of the school as well really because it's all about just Mm. being compassionate and understanding isn't it and and where's Mm. a pupil that doesn't need that they all do Sophie, what are the key messages that you'd like teachers and educators to take from working with your charity? And also, how can they get in touch? Um, So the key messages that I think all the young people that we work with would want um, teachers to take away is to Mm. trust them, to believe them, um, and to just, I think, ask. I think if you're Mm. not sure, ask. Um, say how can I help what can we do to support you and the biggest thing I think is to treat people on an individual basis which I understand is Mm -hmm. difficult with the time pressures with you got 30 kids Mm -hmm. in a classroom completely sympathize with that but it's just knowing Mm -hmm. that each person is an individual and each condition is going to be different for every person so yeah so then to get in touch with us so we um have created that as I've mentioned so throughout a bunch of resources are a school pack we call it that Mm -hmm. has an awareness guide which features all sorts of tips from young people from other teachers we worked really closely with um groups of young people parents teachers healthcare professionals charities to create all these resources it's written you know not just by the young people but teachers as well so that the tips that we're talking about are actually useful to you and also um not just us saying something that's completely unachievable um and so that as well as some resources that we've created including the Mm. health passport that I mentioned earlier some Mm -hmm. exit cards some accessible toilet signs which I think we really encourage people to put up in their schools that yep. you put on an accessible toilet just to highlight that an accessible toilet isn't just for maybe a wheelchair yeah. user it can be mm. for an array of other invisible illnesses as well um and all that is downloadable from our website which is raise.co.uk raise has two eyes for invisible illness 
um anyone can also drop us an email um at info at raise.co.uk too it's your own time you're wasting ramblings from beyond the classroom with marie and jodie there's not a lot they don't know about teaching Oh, as you know, at the end of each episode, we do a star, which is a positive idea, and a wish. So this week, we've done a collective star. Jodie, would you like to explain what our star is? I think our star this week has to be those small, little, subtle things that you can do for students in the classroom that just make such a big difference. Like just checking in with them that day, acknowledging that they might be a bit fatigued, and just giving them kind of that space to feel what they need to feel and cope how they need to cope and it costs absolutely nothing uh so i think that's going to be our star this week Um, what do we think our wish should be this week um well i would say a good wish for this week is to we wish that teachers would understand and trust pupils Mm. when they say they don't feel swell or they've got this condition just trust that what they're saying is the truth even like sophie says if once or twice it's somebody pulling the wool over your eyes it's worth taking that risk to support someone who's genuine Uh, what do you think Soph do you agree yes I definitely agree thank you so so much for joining us this has been absolutely brilliant thank you for having me um, if you've got any comments or you kind of like to be part of the conversation, the email is beyondmailbag at twinkle.co.uk and that website for Sophie's amazing charity, again, it's raise with two eyes, so R-A-I-I-S-E. Of course, links and stuff will be in the description. Um, don't forget to like, follow, subscribe. See you next time. Bye. Bye. This podcast is proudly produced by Beyond. Please bear in mind the views and opinions expressed are those of individuals and may not represent those of Beyond or Twinkle.